Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Cade Moyer and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO Podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight I'm joined by Carly, and Carly had a rather fascinating encounter in the Queensland gem fields back in August of 2019. Carly, welcome to the show. Hi, Kate. Thank you for having me. Your encounter is very fascinating because you are out in the middle of nowhere and you've had a a run-in with something rather unusual. So, are you able to take us back to August of 2019 and kind of walk me through everything that happened on that day? Okay, I'll do my best to recall. So, it was... I can't remember the exact date in August, but I do know that it was like a half-waxing moon. And I looked at the moon phases calendar, and I think that puts it at about the 8th, 8th of August. And I was with my husband, Simon, and my really old dog who was 13 at the time. He's a little Australian cocker spaniel. And we were on the Queensland gem fields and we've been there a couple of years prior. So we kind of had a little bit of a feel for the area. And we have a pretty good four-wheel drive, so we always like to go off the beaten track a little bit and get away from the regular tourist crowds. And we had a site that we've been to the two years before and it was called Tomahawk Creek or it still is called Tomahawk Creek (laughs) and it's a fair way out of town like 50 k's I think it takes us about an hour to get there 
so about 50 k's from the Gemfield main township. And you don't really see too many tourists out there, so that's why we like it. When we arrived on this day, there was probably about five people in the first camping area. You can actually access that part with a two-wheel drive, but then you have to do like a creek crossing and then it becomes like quite difficult to traverse. So we went across the creek and then we saw a few other campers in the first sort of part. And it's like a massive site. So we went past them and then I'd say we would have been like to our knowledge probably about two or three kilometers from any other campers. And we found a nice spot beside a creek, just like up the hill a little bit and kind of next to a track, like a hard-worn track. And then we're there for like a couple of days and we're just searching for gemstones and we're using a crowbar and a pick and banging into this really hard ground. It's like concrete, really hard compacted clay and there's all like boulders and pebbles and stuff mixed in between. And you've got to dig down to a point where you start to see particular indicator minerals and then that'll kind of tell you where the sapphires are. So we're there just like punching away really hard, making heaps of noise and like we're fairly rowdy people, which is probably why we like to go remote as well so nobody can hear us. And yeah, so we were there and we were digging like maybe five to ten metres away from each other as well and just having loud chats all day and our little dog was there as well just hanging out um, and then of an evening we'd be cutting up firewood with a chains um, and then having a fire and the first couple of nights we had uh, a cart and maybe a cart and a half of beer so we are sinking quite a few of them as well just being real rowdy fairly disrespectful of the of the land now that I look back on it. Like, we didn't really establish a good connection with the land, I don't think. So that kind of comes into it a little bit. So, yeah, that went on for a couple of days. I came there for a couple of days doing that. And then on the third day, it went on much the same as the two days prior. But this day we'd run out of beer, so <laughs> we were fairly sober. And uh, we, yeah, just fossicked all day. And then at night we had our fire, had dinner and put the fire out fairly early and went up to bed because, yeah, no beer. So we just decided to retire early. We were pretty tired as well. So we went up, up to our rooftop tent. We got a tent on top of our troopie. And we took the little dog up there as well because there's, like, wild dogs around and stuff like that. Didn't want him left out on his own. So, yeah, we're up there just chatting a bit. And I'd say we went to bed at around 8 o'clock and couldn't sleep. And because that moon was fairly bright, there's, like, no light pollution around or anything so all the landscape was illuminated from that and we were just looking out the fly mesh of the tent and 
peering around the landscape, having a chat. And then about 11 o'clock, didn't really realise it at the time, but I guess everything went fairly still. Couldn't hear any cricket. Sorry, I just burped. <laughs> Couldn't hear any cricket or any wind. Like everything was pretty calm. And then a huge mob of kangaroos just came pelting in out of nowhere. All of a sudden, they were on our campsite and beating a track straight through it. And I'm talking about, I don't know, 20 to 30 kangaroos, like a huge mob, if not two, three mobs, I don't know. But they were definitely terrified, like something was chasing them. And, I mean, that immediately alerted us to the fact that something could be going on. But, you know, at first I just thought it was wild dogs or something like that, but the sheer number of kangaroos, that's what kind of struck me as weird. So then... Maybe like five minutes after that, we started to hear, and to me at the time, it in my mind's eye, I imagined it to be a hard-hooved animal, and I saw a bull in my head come clopping down the road, like sort of far away at first, but you could hear this noise approaching. And it was kind of like a... And I mean, the reason why I thought bull is because this public bossing area is that inside of a, a massive cattle property. So there were cows around and we did see a bull a couple of days prior, like a huge bull. So we're hearing this sound and it was kind of like a clop, 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 clop. Very non-rhythmical, not like um, a a bull walking, but like it was being brought to its knees almost. Like I just imagine this bull at the end of a fight with a matador, you know, when they start to get brought down and um, they're starting to fall to their knees. Like it sounded like it was staggering. But then as it came close, I... I mean, it didn't make sense because the ground wasn't that hard anyway. It was like, I mean, it was hard, but it wasn't bitumen. It was like clay. So as it came closer, we realised that it was rocks being thrown onto the ground and not rocks. Like these are, these were boulders. It was a really loud clacking sound. But again, not in a rhythmical pattern. It was like very irregular and then to go along with that we could hear kind of like frustrated huffing sounds like (laughs) in between the sound of the clacking so we started to freak out a little actually I wasn't freaked out Simon was freaking out (laughs) I, I was more intrigued because we'd both spent a fair amount of time in the bush and I just never really come across anything that sounded like that so I was just trying to put two and two together but he freaked out and he actually ran down the ladder of the rooftop tent and grabbed a bow 
um, that we carry, like bow and arrow. And he brought that back up and was just sitting up with it, peering out into the nothingness, trying to catch a glimpse of something. So, yeah, that went on for a bit. Like, I'm not really sure how long, maybe five or ten minutes. And it, the sounds came as close as maybe, like, 15 metres from our campsite. And, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell because um, this area is predominant, like, the predominant species of tree is acacia and eucalypt and it's a fairly like they're fairly low-lying trees and then in between that there's like blady grass and just you know a bit of shrubbery like fairly scrubby kind of area but the way the land lays the uh it yeah, like the sounds kind of travel around really strangely because there's like lots of gullies and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard to determine exactly how far away it was, but it was fairly close. And then, yeah, so that went on for a bit. And then I don't remember there being silence in between that and the next set of noises, which were trees being pushed and... These were not small trees. They were large trees. They they were being pushed and you could hear the foliage like rattling around or like, yeah, rustling around as the trees were being pushed. And, and then eventually you could hear the roots being pulled up out of the ground like a... And then all of the little pebbles falling from the roots as they were being torn out of the ground. And so, like, at this point, I'm thinking of the next animal (laughs) that could possibly do that, and I thought maybe deer or a goat, like, I don't know. But then again, I couldn't really imagine that either because these trees sounded huge. And then, yeah, that went on for a bit again not really sure how long maybe five or ten minutes and also at this point my dog who was barely deaf was sitting at attention and just staring out the fly mesh into whatever like into the unknown just staring and he's he was that old then that he'd normally be crashed out at seven o'clock and just sleep all through the night but this night he was at attention wide awake and then immediately after that we started to hear the tree knock and the first ones occurred pretty close to our campsite but not as close as the first sounds of the rock clacking so they're like these sounds were progressing so that the rock clacking kind of came up from behind our campsite and then the trees being pushed, that was kind of in line with our campfire. And then the tree knocking, that was further ahead. So, like, it seemed like whatever it was was kind of moving away. And so the knocks, it was a set of three, like, knock, 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 in that pattern. And it sounded like a, a really large branch like a limb hitting 
onto a large tree. So we heard that first one, and then a little bit of time later, we heard uh, another dead of three knock, probably about 500 metres to a kilometre away. Same, same pattern of knock. And then again, we'd hear it 500 metres away in the opposite direction. And it was kind of, these sounds are moving all around our campsite, but at a great distance away. But it was always three knocks. And then that kind of, that kind of how it petered out. I mean, we heard that going on through quite a few hours until we went to sleep. I don't know what time it was. We got to sleep. Yeah, that where that kind of ended. And I mean, at that point, like, neither of us had really heard of Yowies or looked into it or talked about it. Um, I was thinking it was aliens. Like, that was the most logical conclusion <laughs> that I could come to at that point. I was like, oh, that's got to be E.T. Like, there's nothing on this earth that I know of. So it wasn't until a few months later that we thought, yeah, I'll get to that anyway. But yeah, so the next day we got up and we were in a little bit of a daze. And we just got up and decided to look for any signs of what that could have been. And because the area is like fairly disturbed, I mean, Fossil King's been happening there since the 70s, so it's been well turned over. We couldn't really find anything. I mean, it was hard to determine what was new and what was old. And we didn't know what we were looking for. So, yeah, we didn't see anything that was like out of the ordinary in terms of evidence, which is a little bit unfortunate. But, yeah, we left that day. We hadn't planned to. We didn't really have a solid plan, but we didn't really talk about it. We just kind of went on autopilot, went back to our camp and packed it up and drove out and then drove all the way back to the sunny coast. (laughs) (laughs) That was a Fossil King trip over. (laughs) But yeah, it wasn't until like a few months later that we were hanging out with a couple of like-minded people and felt comfortable enough to share that story that one of them just piped up really confidently and said, oh, that's a yaoi. Like, I've had heaps of experiences. This guy had heard, heard them screaming, like, all this sort of stuff. And he's like, yes. You just have, like, the trifecta of <laughs> Yowie encounters. You know, like, the rock clack, the trees being pushed over and the knocks. Like, hands down, Yowie. And that's exactly what I was going to say, is that this is all fairly common behaviour for kind of an aggressive yowie in that area the 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 fact that the this huge group of roos kind of tailed it out of that area and with it being such a kind of enclosed station it's not like you're gonna just have people randomly come through there like you said the the closest other group of fossickers were what over a kilometer or so away and now a quick word from our sponsor Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Yeah, maybe two or three Ks. Yeah. Um, yeah, we hadn't driven further through the Fossicking area, so I'm not sure if there were people further up ahead, but where the, yeah, I'll just call it a yowie, came from was behind us. So, like, we'd already driven through that area, and, yeah, the the campers were, like, two or three Ks back that way. So, yeah, but as you say, I do feel like it was aggressive and I feel like we may have provoked it in a way because we were being fairly inconsiderate. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's kind of like that, that typical thing when I – and I know I'm – very terrible for this like when you go camping it's kind of a bit of a party vibe and and everything like that everyone gets a little bit loosey-goosey and you know fun times kind of had and you kind of look back at those situations you go oh geez we're we're probably like just a a bit bit rough to the area and and things like that and not overly considerate to like you said the land and and things like that and yeah you know, in, in Aboriginal folklore, the, the Yowie is kind of the protector of the land in some of those, in some of those tales. So, you know, this, yeah. this thing kind of coming through and, and being in a, in a bit of a mood, doing all the things that a, a classic Yowie experience of being moved on. This is this is exactly what it sounds like. You know, you've got the you've got rocks being thrown, uh, you've got boulders being thrown. You know, that's that's so dangerous if you in hindsight you kind of go back and go, geez, if one of those things kinda hit the tent, it could have probably busted through, really caused a, a good deal of damage, not only to yourself, but you know, your partner, your dog, your vehicle, anything like that. You've also yeah. got the huffing sounds and ripping the trees out. That's that's very, very incredibly aggressive behavior in that sense. And the the terrifying thing is, you know, we've we've probably all tried to do a bit of gardening and stuff at home and even just trying to rip a little kind of bush out of the ground is the hardest thing to do. Imagine the strength on these things ripping trees out of that hard clay out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like, yeah, it's kind. Of, yeah, well, I hadn't actually considered like <laughs> how hard that would be, but yeah, I feel like it was really aggressive, and we definitely deserved it. And I did really learn my lesson to respect the land a lot more than I did prior to that. <laughs> well, I think the great thing is you've kind of, you've took something positive away from the experience, but it it would have been so terrifying being in that situation. I guess the, the silver lining of this type of encounter is that you, you won't 
overly clued up on what Yowies were. So they potentially could have just kind of pushed the, I guess, the the pressure levels, the anxiety levels to another level when you think, geez, there's a big monster out there. Yeah, it did. And like I said, I wasn't, I was more intrigued at the time. My husband was a lot more wary probably because he naturally is the protector. Um, I didn't appreciate the severity of it at the time. And I think if I did, yeah, it would have been a completely different situation. Yeah. Was your husband like aware of the of what Yowies were or anything like that at the time? Well, no, not no, not in depth. We hadn't spoken about it, and he's later told me that he had no real knowledge other than what you'll sort of see on mainstream media, like the Bigfoot movies, or you know. Yeah, right. So just normally. Real entry level kind of pop culture style knowledge about what this, what that type of creature is. Yeah, and in a sort of discrediting type way as well, like all yeah. the big, you know, like as if they exist kind of thing. But yeah, just fleeting thoughts, I guess. Like, yeah, definitely not worded up on this subject at all. No, I totally get that. And, you know, most people aren't until they have an encounter like this because it's kind of like a a bit of a paradigm-changing experience for people because a lot of people think they're they're, they're kind of the king of the bush, so to say. And your your encounter is actually a really good example of that. You know, you're out there living your best life how you want to. And then you have this thing come through that's, you know, basically King Kong and is kind of trying to show you who's boss of of the area. For sure. And yeah, it did definitely open up a whole portal of belief and new possibility. And I have had a few other encounters, certainly nothing of that nature or severity, but yeah, it definitely changed my life. And now the mystical experiences are just like flowing in. Oh, really? So this has kind of been an opening for you to the to the world of the weird and the wonderful. Yeah, majorly, majorly, yeah. So, what what's some of those things that that have kind of intrigued you now? Well, there's. I think there was another sort of yaoi encounter. This is just like a brief one. This was just up the road from where I lived on the Sunshine Coast. Again, my husband and I were walking in the Mapleton State Forest, or National Park, sorry, and it was really early in the morning. And again, <laughs> like we hadn't quite learned from the first experience, but it was just before sunup and we are being quite loud again. Oh, just can't help ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, we were just, like, heading off on a hike for the day. And we were, yeah, so the sun wasn't quite up. We headed off from the car, and there's, like, this massive network of trails within the Mapleton National Park. And we were walking along the track, and then... We heard that we were probably like 50 metres from the car, like just started out. 
and we heard this what sounded like a gibbon. It was kind of like, I'll try and make the noise. It was like, kind of like that. (laughs) But it was high up in the trees and it had big lungs. It definitely wasn't a bird. So, yeah, and then it kind of repeated but further off in the distance. And this time I was scared. I was like, I'm going back to the fucking car. I'm not going through this shit, like, without a vehicle on my side. So we went back to the car and just waited for the sun to come up. Yeah, right. So you're a little bit more clued up. And obviously you've kind of learnt a little bit more about Yowies and and kind of those those uh, telltale signs of what to kind of look out for, I guess, when you're in the bush. And whoops are definitely one of those things. Yeah, and I'm a lot more aware of energy now. I've always been sensitive. I'm a fairly empathetic person, but now I am aware of what external energy feels like and how it affects me, and I can feel that situation like it wasn't okay for us to enter the bush at that time in that state. So we just, like, went back to the car and calmed it all down, like, tried again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really... That's a really interesting thing. It's kind of like you're you're so more in tuned with everything that's kind of going on around you from this experience. And I mean, it may have taken two encounters potentially with something like that, <laughs> but it's good that you know you've you've gone through something like that and kind of learnt from it. And I think that's that's a really important thing because you know you're a very very outdoorsy person. You know you you go out you look for gemstones. I think that's the coolest thing, um, and you just have the the best time of your life. And I think it's great that you've kind of you know tried to realign yourself with with the with the bush in that sense. Yeah, I think that's what these experiences have all been about. Yeah, I think we're going through a bit of a collective shift at the moment and I feel very blessed that I've been given these lessons um, to sort of help with that. <laughs> if you could go back in time there, Carly, knowing yeah. what you know now, would you have done anything differently in that situation? In the first time? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that I probably wouldn't have drank that much beer. Because <laughs> 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 that made me feel a little bit shady. <laughs> but also just paid a lot more attention to my surroundings throughout the day. Because there's I every think- chance you could have been having encounters the previous days before that, but... You were maybe too sourced up or, you know, just just too in your own zone to, to really realise it. Yeah, and I've thought that as well. Oh, because one other thing um, is, I don't know if it was the first or second day that we were at Tomahawk, but we were traversing through the scrubby grass to find some new ground to fossil. And we came across a large excrement that appeared to be human, but it was huge. It was kind of like on top of a boulder, like a massive boulder. 
And we both saw it at the same time, Simon and I. And we like laughed to each other, like, oh, look at that shit. Like someone's taking a dump on a rock. Who would do that? And then as we looked like and just thought about it, we were like, who actually could do that? Like, that is an impressive size of shit. <laughs> you know, it's this weird thing. It's it's funny you bring that up because I I swear, Yowies, they must have a sense of humor because they do. Honestly, I hear so many stories and I see so many pictures. I have way too many pictures of poo in my inbox. But... <laughs> People send me pictures all the time of these gigantic dumps in the most outrageous places in the middle of the bush going, what do you think did this? Yeah, wow, okay, so it's a bit of a thing. I think it is. I honestly, I think it is. I could put, I should put a gallery together of the most impressive yaoi poos in weird locations on on Facebook or something. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to see it. Well, no, it can be a good identify, like a good way to identify what you are potentially going to come across or what's in the area. Because I've done a lot of research on animal scats and memory, how to identify like an echidna from a wombat and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, it's a really good way to identify, but I've never seen anything like that. So I think that was like a bit of a warning sign early on or like... Yeah, a bit of a joke, as you say. <laughs> but you're right; it is. It's such a, it's such a missed opportunity to realise that there's something not normal potentially in this area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I would have paid more attention, I think, if I could go back. Um, but yeah, I don't really look at life like that. I don't because you can't go back. So you know, no regrets. You can only move forward and learn from the past. No, absolutely, and and you know it, it definitely sounds like you your life is forever a uh, a lesson because you're you're constantly learning about new things. This has opened up your mind to so many new uh, possibilities and probably things that are in this world um, that you may not have kind of thought of before. So you know the I guess the silver lining of this whole encounter is it's it's truly opened your mind, and that's probably a great thing. Absolutely. Yeah, the world is a really magical place. It's really cool. It's, yeah, I love it. It's like kind of like my life just started at that point. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs>